This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with Roto, Paint, 3D Match Move, or Cleanup, give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com And last but not least, Logic Academy Pro. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many cool courses that range from CG car replacement, Nuke for Flame Artists, Mocha, color management, VFX supervision, and also meetups for mentoring your career. So check out logicacademypro.com. Hey guys. Hello. Hey. We have Andy Milkis here and Chris Decker, and we're going to be talking about bidding. Can't wait. But yeah, how long did you guys work together for? <laughs> I was there for 10 years, so I'm going to say 10 years. Maybe, maybe oh, it was wow. 11. Okay. Maybe it was 11, years. but I, I think 10 is safe. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, Chris, do you want to give us a little tangle? Yeah, exactly. We had a lot of we had a lot of amazing uh, adventures. Yeah, together. yeah. And I will say, like coming in, like you know, Andy was almost my. You know, we're going to talk about bidding. Andy was almost my like bidding mentor for the first few years. Oh, like, nice. I would just go, I would just go to him and be like, "What are we doing with this job? <laughs> like, what, what should I? You know, what do I, because I, you know, I came into a place that he had been at, and everybody else had been there for a long time. So I didn't want to mess anything up. So he was always a uh, a good sort of, uh, you know, bastion of here's what we yes. think we should do, you know. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Because I was, I was always paranoid that everything I bid was either overbid or underbid. Like it, it was a – did I make the right call? This kind of I, the I thing. think when I started yeah. – uh, this is like I, – you know what? I'm not going to remember. But it was either – somebody told me, listen, whatever Andy tells you, it was either – deduct two hours or add two hours i forget i uh, at this point i forget that's but hilarious. there was like something yeah but you know i think it's good to have that back and forth you know it's like it's always good to get the artist or like one of the artists who's done it before to kind of run through it but then it is good to have the producer sounding board as well you know like <laughs> yes, wait this is yeah. actually we, we oh, probably God. should tack on another four hours onto this or something <laughs> Right, right. Just because knowing what the clients might say and then stuff like yeah. that. So, so yeah, yeah. The, like the producer, like we, I always felt like it was my my job or my part of the process was to like look at the board or watch the rough cut and kind of uh, just work with that like sliver of information at hand. But I knew that the producer had like the bigger picture, had more context, knew like the history of working with this client, or if it was a new client, had some kind of insight from sales or something like that, or, you know, um, the other aspects of the job that we had nothing to do with, whether it was editorial or color, or, you know, the production. So um, to me, that was always like the, the security blanket was, you know, I really have to just kind of figure out what is this part going to take? And uh, if there's a bigger part of the conversation, or if this is, you know, fitting into a bigger picture, I had someone else yeah, to rely for sure. on. For that. Chris, can we get a quick uh, background of like how you got into uh, post production, like producing and all of that? Sure, sure. Uh, I'll give I'll give it to you as quick as I can. Uh, I I knew you know early on I wanted to work in the film, TV, 
radio, whatever industry uh, as a kid. So I went to uh, Syracuse, studied television, radio, film, um, and came out and got a job uh, right away at an advertising agency uh, in the production department. Um, I was like their AV guy. I was plugging in their TVs, stuff like that. And then the company was small enough back then. This was 99 that uh, I started to produce radio commercials. And then soon after that, there were little TV revisions that I would do. Updates in legal, things like that, model year updates. And then yeah, a couple of years after that, I was actually producing TV commercials. I did that for about seven years. And then I moved to another agency. I worked on a, a really big account that after I was there for nine or 10 months, uh, they lost. Oh. And they lost two huge accounts on the same day, right before Christmas. It was like 2008. And and I got laid off, so uh, I, it gave me an it gave me an opportunity to kind of be like, all right, I've been doing this for a while. What parts of my job do I like the most? And what I always liked as a producer on the agency side was the post production process, be it editorial or VFX, because I I was able to have a voice in the room. You know, you're in the edit room for three or four days. You can say, can we try this, guys? Like, this might be a good idea. Can't really do that on a set. So I wasn't ever in love with live action producing. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I, through that time I had made some friends and I just reached out and said, Hey, I'm looking for a job. Um, I'd love to start on the post side. And a lot of the responses I got were, of course you want to work on the post side. You're an agency producer. All you think we do is sit here and get sushi all day <laughs> and, and sit in a corner and wait for renders to be done. Like that's what you think our life is. Uh, but I understood the job, and I was like, listen, I, I'll come in at a lower salary. Just give me a shot. Uh, and I worked at a place, a motion graphics place, for uh, for, for two years um, that did some really great work and kind of like cut my teeth and learning how really post-production works and bidding and, and all that stuff. From It was like a lot of film and TV broadcast stuff. Not as much advertising at that place, but then uh, I had a friend at – where Andy and I worked together, who uh, was looking for another producer, knew that I was on the post side, gave me a call, and I ended up uh, working with this fine man for, for the next 10 years. <laughs> awesome. So. That's awesome. Well, I, I find it really cool that you had the agency background, because I'm sure when, once you kind of transition more onto, let's just call it like the vendor side, you, you had a little bit more knowledge of the internal workings of like how agencies function. Did like Do you think that helped you? Like once you kind of jumped on more of this side or? I, yeah, I do because I, I feel like I had at least the knowledge of where they were coming from and certain things they say or like the triple bid. And like, I know that like, you know, if we don't get a phone call back <laughs> a day after we just had a phone call, I know that like, okay, this is not going our <laughs> right, way. Right. And like a couple of emails and whatever. And, and it also, I realized pretty quickly uh, I was I was getting put on jobs with um, younger agency producers who I knew didn't really know the lay of the land. So having that knowledge, I was able to sort of in my early years at at, uh, at at this place, like I was able to guide them in. Hey, you need to ask for this. You need to bid for this. Like, let's look at your bid and here's why these hours make sense and explain things to them. Which I think you know sometimes, not every time, but like kind of ingratiated our company to them because. I was almost like a partner. I was producing it for them in a certain way, sometimes yeah. in, in certain bids and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it definitely helped me at least understanding agency culture and knowing another thing that like I realized being on the post side is, is like, we don't know how long 
these agency folks have been with this board or have fought with a client for this board or whatever. So like we might bring ideas, obviously, which is why they're calling us, but they might, we might bring ideas that they kind of just are like this, like they said it on the first call. They don't want this. They said it on the second call. They don't want this. Even though if we think it's a great idea, there's a reason they're saying no, you know? So I tried to imbue stuff like that, uh, throughout, um, throughout my time there. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, yeah. So how do we bid? Chris, I want to know all the secrets. I want to, <laughs> I think it's such like a dark art, I, at least for me, because yes, I've helped bid out jobs, be it for the company I'm currently working at, or maybe a side project here and there. And like, I, I feel like every project can be slightly different how you approach it. Yeah. But yeah, how do you tend to, let's just, I don't know what a typical commercial is. How, how do you approach something? <laughs> to... it, you know, it's tough. It, you're right. It is a dark art. Like it's, it is, I was thinking before getting on here, like, how do I describe this? And it's, it's sort of a jigsaw puzzle in a little way. Like it's, you have to take into account uh, the board, right? You have to take into account what the agency or the client or whoever has told you they have for this board. You have to take into account the amount of work that, you know, your artists tell you this is going to take the amount of work that you personally think it's going to take. Like there's some push and pull there. And then the company's willingness to do this job at the same time, you know, you can come back and say, all right, they, I'm just going to, uh, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars. And then, you know, that's what the agency is telling us. We have a hundred thousand dollars. We all look at it. We kind of discuss, and this is going to cost 150, but it's a huge opportunity. Do we take on that risk? So it's a it, in that way, it's a huge push and pull. On the on the surface of it, if you were it like if it's a you know just I always when I try to describe my job to people that don't know anything about what I do, I just kind of say like I'm a contractor. Like I I kind of like for commercials, like I go out, I get the best people to give me the best prices, and then I put them together and I sort of give that to the client. And on our end, on in these post companies that those vendors not vendors but like my job as a contractor is to go out to the artists and kind of say like okay what do you think about this aspect of it how long would this take could we do it a different way does it fit into this budget then i have then like i have to kind of focus that together and give it back to the client with a with a i don't know it's tough it's like i said it's a jigsaw puzzle you know what i mean like it, it's it's trying to gauge the value of the piece that you're working on to get you more business in the future and the value of what this really is. But anyway, sorry, I got off track there to back up on, on the surface. It's like, okay, here's, here's a board and here is the request. Like we have, let's say, let's call it a cleanup job. We have these eight shots of cleanup. This is exactly what the agency wants to do. Okay. We can, we can figure that out in terms of it's going to cost X, Y, Z. I'll confirm that with somebody like Andy, like I'll, Think about that myself. I think this is going to cost this with the sort of budget the client gave me. This can kind of fit there. I confirm that with Andy or any artist that's actually going to do the work. I think that's very important. You don't want to, as a producer, just say, here it is. And then you show up and they're like, you know, oh, well, this is doing a day. And the artist is like, what are you talking about? It's two weeks worth of work. So, so you don't want to do that. You want to at least confirm whether or not that means you get the job or not. You at least want to don't put yourselves in a bad position. Um, but that's the straightforward way. Like it, it, here's a board. They're asking you to do specifically this. 
experience is a big part of it too. Like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now. I can look at a board and kind of know, okay, this shot's going to take this long, this shot's going to take this long, et cetera, and there are 10 shots and let's add them up. If a lot earlier in my career, uh, you know, it's a guess and then it's sitting down with a group of people that are above me to go through everything because like I said, what you don't want to do is just guess, say, oh, they have this, okay, we can do it for that and then you're in a position where yeah, you're in a lot of trouble. Um, that's why I tell young producers, like, you just ask. Just ask. You don't know it. Yeah. You don't know it until you know it. And it is one of the toughest jobs, I think, because you don't know what you're doing until you have enough experience to know what you're doing. And then even then, you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, so yeah, that was a long convoluted answer. But, um, uh, yeah. No, no, no. That was awesome. Uh, you said something really interesting that, um, about sometimes agencies approach – say the company with like, Hey, we have X amount of money. Does that happen a lot? Or is that, or do you normally kind of bid out projects like, Hey, we want to do this. What's your bid? And you, um, you as the post company come up with the number and then, you know, say they triple bid it, they look over everybody's numbers. But I thought that was really yeah. interesting. You said like, sometimes they'd be like, Hey, we have X amount. Can you do it? <laughs> I, in, in my experience, that has happened a lot more in like, I'd say the last, like, five to seven years. Okay. Like I, it used to be a lot, at least in my experience, used to be a lot more of the, here's a bid, here's a board. Can you guys bid this out? Tell us what it actually thinks. Right. The last five to seven years, I feel like it's turned into, here's a board. We got a hundred grand. Can you do it? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So it's almost like, and this might be my own personal experience. I mean, I think like much, much bigger jobs, obviously you're bidding them out. And, and being meticulous with them, like you weren't talking millions of dollars. And yeah, stuff like yeah. That. You're going shot by shot, whatever. But like in terms of like the commercial world, um, I'm working on a lot of stuff right now that's social and uh, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. And I'm, I'm back on the agency side at the moment. And it is like, we have $7,000. Can you shoot this thing for us really quickly? Uh, okay. So I I feel like it has, it, it has become, here's the budget. Are you guys willing to do it? And it, it kind of like is less of a line by line item bid. Yeah. It's kind of like a more of a company wide, okay, this is going to be a hard cost. This is going to be a hard cost. This is going to be a hard cost. Are we going to make any money if this is the amount of money that we're right. kind of topped off on? I've also seen a lot, you know, in the, the last number of years, like it's a firm bid. That's it. Do not come back to us and ask for an overage. Oh, You're agreeing to okay. this. You know, it, and it's been... Like a while ago, it was, yeah, it's a firm bid unless you change the parameters or it's a firm bid unless you change the schedule. Yeah. And now it's a firm bid to spec or whatever. And they do find a way, I find, you know, different companies have different ways of like making sure that this doesn't happen. But I, I feel like they do have a way of, the agencies do have a way of being like, well, you know, you said yes. It's only one more thing. Like, it's, right. is that that big a deal? Like, I don't have to go back to the client. I really, you know, can you just? So there's there's a lot of that that I see, but um, but that it's it's kind of like on us as as VFX vendors to kind of like safeguard against of that kind of stuff when you're putting these bids and parameters together. Yeah, you don't want them to go from like ten deliverables to three hundred, and you're like, wait, um, yeah, this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's usually where you can get them. Like, that's usually the best way. Like, it's just in the like, 
well, you know, you're, you bid for 60 flame hours and we're at 62 and you're asking for like just a little bit more touch up on that eyebrow, you know, yeah. that's where it gets in that dicey area of, do you go hard line or do you just yeah. make them feel great at the end of the day, you know? Completely. Andy, I, I'd love to hear kind of from the, the artist side of bidding out maybe like when you, you and Chris were like working together, like kind of how you would approach uh, let's say a board, right? You get some boards and you're like, how long is this going to take? <laughs> uh, that was absolutely kind of the context of every like, you know, board we looked at was like, oh shit, how's this? How are we gonna... I kind of like to divide these things up into like the things that you know, like I'll, I, I can bid on the things that I know. And then we have to kind of come up with a, like an estimate for the things that we don't know. You know, so sometimes you'll get a rough cut, forget about a board, you'll get a rough cut. Mm. And you know, and you can very clearly see the things that need to be done. Sometimes you can tell when there's a rough key or you can tell when they've, you know, they're temporary graphics or a temporary sky replacement or a temporary phone screen or whatever. Those things are pretty straightforward, you know. Um, but then uh, experience and instinct kicks in and you go like, are they trying to hide a split screen here? Or is that really the the head from that take, or did they take a head from another take? So you, you, know, you always want to have kind of in the back of your mind when you're looking at it, is there something that I don't know? You know, and then get, you can get um, answers from it. And then um, as far as bidding that stuff out, regardless of what it is, it can be a phone comp or it can be a set extension or whatever. Uh, what I always tried to do was figure out, okay, how long is this going to take me to do? If I had to do this phone comp shot, how many hours is it going to take? let's say it's going to take three, something like that. I then would try to estimate how many times I'm going to redo this, you know, either based on like the, the concept, the, the, my experience with the client, their tendency to change cuts or change content or whatever. Maybe this should be yeah. five hours instead of three hours, you know, it'll take three hours to do it and an hour to change it twice or something like that. So it's still, it's a fair estimate of like the amount of time I'm going to spend working on the shot. Then for the things you don't know, I mean, there were, I don't know how many times Chris and I got a board right. for like a 60 second <laughs> spot, you know, that had like five frames on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is the chance that each shot is 12 seconds long. I'm guessing that there's something that is missing here. Or we would be told uh, even without like a mood board or anything, it would just be like a script. Mm -hmm. Those are the hardest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like, well, the first thing is you, you have to try to get on the phone or on Zoom or get face to face and really just understand what the client wants. You know, so you in your head can have a clear picture of what they have in their head. And then you can give everybody a fair estimate. But there were lots of times where we were told things like um, we got a 15 coming in and it's like a beauty spot. And um, yeah. what's that going to cost? How much beauty? Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. like, well, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, is <exactly>. it <laughs> right? What What do we? Who is this? You know, who is this? And so we would sometimes come up with things like, well, um, if I had to give you a rough estimate, why don't you estimate uh, four hours to clean up a wide shot and eight hours to clean up a close up? You know, and that's assuming it's all shot 4K. All right, and then the client would, you know, would it's possible that they would go like, okay, thanks. Now I have a working model. Yeah. I can at least figure out. I mean, that's actually a really good point that you brought up. Sorry to interrupt you, but the whole resolution thing too. I mean, we're not in the days of HD only. I mean, yeah, we're working on 6K plates now. I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, I remember when HD... I'm old enough. To, I remember the days. 
But when we first made the transition to HD, it, it became a question you had to ask for every every board that came in. Are we doing this in HD or SD? And now the the same kind of question is, what resolution are you shooting at? What resolution are we finishing at? <laughs> you know, and uh, neither of us had gray hair until the whole concept of like the nine by 16 oh, came in, gosh. you know, and it was like, yep, yep. yeah, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, we're shooting 6K for Snapchat deliverables, you know? Yeah, so, but these are the kind of important questions you, you have to ask, you know, like it's really, I know from an artist's perspective, I try to imagine like, okay, if I'm going to sit down and do this, this is actually like, one of the things that I found to be very helpful just as a mental exercise. Um, I would be told, okay, there's a, there's a 30, a 15 and a 10. Okay. And um, how long is it going to take to conform that? You know, and I would like say to myself, well, okay. I mean, if I pushed a button and it magically worked, which it never does, it'll take five minutes. But if I had to, eye match three spots, what would that take? You know, and that kind of became the foundation for my, my bid. Maybe I figured that out and then took a little bit off because odds are I won't have to eye match everything. Same thing with like Andy. There's a they want to they want to put a guy uh, in in a field, but uh, they can't shoot the guy in the field at the same time. Wh how much? And they they think they can shoot uh, blue screen, but they're not entirely sure if the blue screen's available at the, like whatever. You know, there's was, was always something. So for like a keying shot or whatever, I would say to myself, okay. If I, or better yet, better example is if something was shot like in, in glass or something, you know, if it was like a glass elevator or something like that, um, mm -hmm. and nothing we told the production company in terms of shooting specs was followed and it was impossible to key, how long would it take me to rotor this? Like worst case scenario, what would it take? Okay. I'll, uh, you know, it would take a day. Yeah. Okay. Well then this shot's going to take, uh, if you know, four hours or something like that. So I would try to do that. I would try to figure out worst case, if I had to do this all manually, what would it take? And then assume it wouldn't take that long and kind of. Would you also ever just tack on a little bit of time because. Well, depending on the shot. Well, apparently yeah, the, the answer shot, is two yeah. hours. Well, because I mean, Andy, you know, as you know, <laughs> say you're leading the project, you might have multiple artists on <laughs> yeah. helping you and they might be junior or they could be senior, but maybe just not as fast. And so like. You might think it's it would take you four hours, but it might take that artist six mm -hmm. or seven. Would you ever tack on a little bit of extra time just to account for like who might be helping out? Or I think what we we would do that internally after the fact, like when the job started, and then you know we could figure out in terms of resource allocation. It would be like Chris would say, "Hey Andy, uh, can we? Uh, do you think so and so can do these shots?" Mm -hmm. And the answer might be uh, absolutely, but you know let's let's start with one instead of two, or and see how it goes, or. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think we really did that like before the the bid, but I, we would we would sometimes if it was a complex thing, if it was like a big package of spots, and we knew we were going to have a large team. What we would factor in, or what I would factor in to like the conform time or the, or whatever is okay. So at the end of every oh, yeah. day, I'm going to need an hour, you know, to kind of gather everything from everybody, check it all, drop it into all the versions of the cut, and you know, so. And we're going to work on this for two weeks. Yeah. And so maybe we'll add another 10 hours of conform or something across the, the two-week job, knowing that exactly. for that amount of time, yeah. I'm not going yeah, to... Yeah, and that's that's one of the things with bidding that you brought up packages, Andy. Like, with experience, like, I can put together a framework, right? Like, okay, we have this many spots. The conforms are going to take this amount of time without needing to bother any sort of artist. Like, we've done this... A few times, or at least I have. So I know it's, I'm thinking it's this amount of time. Then you kind of look at 
all right, the client's also asking for this amount of deliverables. So you have to look at machine room time, right? You get, we're delivering Hulu, YouTube, what, 9 by 16, 4 by 5. You're, you need to think about not only the conform time for that, but the amount of time to make those files, right? And having done that before, you know that, all right, we got like five, six days in the machine room or whatever it might be. There's all a bunch of ancillary stuff that come with kind of every job, postings, et cetera. So you can kind of build out that framework based on just the client specs, you know, not even like necessarily creative, you know, you just kind of know, all right, we have three spots, a 60, 30, and a 15. Um, the conform time in general is going to take this and then delivery and uh, back and forth in reviews, build that kind of time in. And then you can kind of sit down with an artist, with an Andy, and kind of go through, all right, individual shots, clean up VFX work. What are we adding to this bit? Mm -hmm. So generally, yeah, I, I would kind of start with like, here's what we have to do. And then how much more do we have to add to it? You know, right. to see if this is going to be feasible for us. Completely. I know another thing that I would always be conscious of when doing the bidding was if there was a shot that was complicated, maybe it's a complicated transition or there's a lot of look development that has to go on. I would try to approach it from like, what are the, the, like the, the technical tasks that I know have to get done. We got to get rid of the rigs, you know, and we have to cut a mat. And those, those are almost easier to bid. Those are going to take a kind of like a known number of hours. And then we're going to need a certain number of, of hours or days or whatever to kind of do exploratory work, you know, come up with a few ideas, present them to the client. So I think that that's another uh, way I kind of divided up a complex mm -hmm. task. And, and kind of jumping off of that thought, what we have to build into the bid is, you know, we're doing an exploratory, right? Well, you don't have carte blanche to keep, moving forward with this exploratory like you we have to build in you get two three reviews of this this exploratory and then we need an approval and if we don't have an approval then we have to go into overage territory because that is definitely like something that could go on forever so those are the i was trying to say earlier like the parameters that we want to set on clients and that that's one of them certain review dates or times you get two reviews of the conform you get two reviews of the beauty and you get two reviews of the exploratory. And then it's our job as producers to kind of hold them to that. That's cool. Would you, would you approach bids differently? Let's say there was a ton of CG work and maybe you only had X amount of artists and you, you knew you had, you'd have to bring in a lot of freelancers. How would you kind of approach that? Cause I feel like it's easier once you know, like if you feel like your uh, current resources can tackle a job, but, once you start have to like pull in a bunch of freelancers, like how do you, do you bid that out differently or? Uh, yeah, I think you kind of have to because uh, it's, those become hard costs, right? So your hard costs have to reflect the amount of hours that you're putting in the bid to the client. Um, so if you know you can't really tackle whatever you've been tasked with, with the people that you have in house in the amount of time that you have in house, it's, you know, you have to look out for your own well-being. You have to put in the amount of money that you know is going to, it's going to cost you to bring in people and, and pay them for X amount of days to do this. Those are costs that are going outside the company. Yeah, You need to compensate for that. So you, you have to put that in the bid. And, and like, this is kind of what I was saying earlier. Like, it becomes like, a oh, how bad do we want this job kind of thing. But, you know, more often than not, I think you just kind of have to 
protect yourself in this is what it's going to cost us to do it. Sorry, if we don't get to work on it together, I'm sorry, but this is a, a true reflection of, of, of our cost. We're doing the best we can, but this is it, you know? And then it, like when we would get a job in that required uh, the, the uh, like collaborating with other departments, whether it was CG or design, you know, part of the bidding process was also figuring out who's going to do what. Should this CG comp be yeah. comped in flame or should, be, should it be comped in nuke by the CG artist? And they'll just hand us a beauty shot and we'll drop it in. Put a title on it, maybe tweak the color right. if the client has a comment or something like that. Or are we handling the comp as well? And that became, usually that just became part of like a larger resource allocation discussion, uh, you know, with production uh, okay. about who's available. Maybe CG is swamped right now and flame is slow. So uh, we'll comp it in flame or vice versa. Like the budget is challenged or there's this, this uh, spot has, you know, a CG product and a, a demo, mm -hmm. um, but it's got, you know, 35 deliverables. So, you know, flame artist is going to be spending yeah. all day doing all the versions. Okay. Then we'll have a comp in, in CG. So that was always part of a conversation as well. Same thing with, with titles and design. We had brilliant designers that we worked with, but they're busy. And, you know, production was also trying to figure out, you know, who needs to be dedicated to what account and schedules that overlap and things like that. So maybe we'll just do the titles in flame. Well, once you do the titles in flame, they're in it, flame is now involved, not only when until the job ships, but when it comes back for revisions over the next three months. So these are just things that we always took into consideration. Yeah, I think this goes back to what I said earlier, but the jigsaw puzzle, like uh, I was probably referring more to that, Andy, like the jigsaw puzzle of you have a bunch of staff artists, at least in my experience, how do you move them around and fit them together for this project that just came in to make that budget work? Because maybe the project that these other two artists are on has a bigger budget than this one. And we can afford a freelancer on that job. So we're going to take this artist and put them on the job that has a lower budget because they're staff. Like it's that kind of like balancing of how does all the money work everywhere? Not necessarily for just this one bid, you know? I, oh, that's interesting. Okay. I mean, and that, I mean, that's, that's my experience. Obviously, if we're talking about just a one-off job, it's, it's totally different, but that's how it can work in the larger company sense of, of trying to fit budgets together um, as they come in. That's interesting. Would you find that like the package deals are more of a thing or more kind of one-off spots, maybe, maybe more in recent times, you know? Uh, when you say package, you mean like multiple spots or are you talking about package? Like yeah. Yeah. Like maybe they're trying to get like a discount or something, you know? Yeah, yeah certainly. I, I think so. Um, there, there's definitely like that desire to be like, oh, well, we have these three little things and they all have 20 grand. But if we put them together, that's 60. What do you guys think? You know? Um, so I think that there's definitely a package mentality out there to just try to get, uh, if I could tell you how many times a day I hear gets more bang for your buck. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> so It's such a great thing. It's like, I have yes. three, I have three spots here. Right. Neither are all budget challenged. You know, you're going to lose money on all three. Right. Do you want to make it up on volume? And there's, like, a, there's, there's also the tried and sure. true, like yeah. old, you know, it's, Oh, if you do this one, we got a lot more coming. We got a lot more coming later on. Um, and that's, that's something I definitely, took advantage of when I was an agency producer, I believe when I was a post producer and it does happen, you know, people, I was going to ask, does, how often does that happen? It, it, I was always yeah, curious. It's, it, it does happen. I'll say that it has happened. Okay. I, I don't know how often it has happened. It yeah. has happened. Um, because one of the things is, and, and you know, I, I think anybody believes it companies believe it certainly like 
you do a great job on this one for them, they're going to want to come back. You know, it's an easy familiarity now. Like we all speak the same language now. Like, yeah. let's do this again. It worked really well last time. So everybody wants that first shot of getting in to be able to do it. And so that's why it has happened. It, mm-hmm. it hasn't happened yeah. on the on the instances where like, A, there was never anything coming or B, the first one was kind of went sideways. Gotcha. Andy, now now that you're kind of freelancing, do you get to bid? I mean, I'm sure you bid on your own kind of projects, but like say you're helping out a company, do you, are you included in those talks or do you kind of get hired more on, hey, we got X amount of work, you know, help us out? <laughs> yeah, I haven't been part of a a bidding yet for like, if I was one of the freelancers hired, you know, for a project uh, with a company, but as far as working with my own clients, I've had like a crash course in producing. I like, I realized that I'm actually, I enjoy it. I think, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at it. The things that I, I was maybe afraid of when I was, uh, when I was on staff, things like, you know, having a money conversation, asking for an overage, trying to figure out what that number is you should go in at you know, to try to guarantee you get the work and maybe I'll make it up with revisions on the end or whatever, or how can I package things and offer a, a, a discount that, that makes it attractive to the client. It's fun. I have to say it's actually, a, there, there's certainly something fun about the, the process, but I, I found that um, by and large uh, in, in, in my experience, uh, the clients that I've worked with appreciate an element of transparency they appreciate the like when you're forthright with them, especially like and we used to do this a lot when when we worked together, you know, Chris and I is like you wouldn't just say yes. Like it's dangerous to just say yes because you're you know, you want to please the client or get a get the job. Uh, you can never say no, because if you say no, they'll leave and they'll never come back. But if you kind of frame what's challenging about the thing that they're asking uh, in a way that they can understand. Um, I've found that a majority of the time you're, you're at least given not so much the benefit of the doubt, you're given consideration, you know, like I've had, I've had clients who have asked me to bid on something and I tell them what my estimate is. And they're like, wow, that seems a little high. Can you do any better on the number? I mean, you can always do better on the number, but then the next time they're going to want that number, you know, forever. So I have been able to say to them, like, I totally understand (laughs) What I see when I'm looking at the spot or the project or whatever is there are a lot of speed changes on this. You know, what that normally means is I'm going to be working on the raw clip, which is three times longer than what's in the cut. So I have to do three times the work. Is there some, you know, and then I would say something like, I hate to work on something that's already time warped just in case the cut changes. But is there something that we can do? You know, now that it's almost like now that I've called this out to your attention, is there something that can be done either in editorial? You know, is there something that we can revisit the job or the shot or um, I'll I'll look at something that's a a split screen and I'll say to them, like, um, for me to do what's in the cut is going to take two days. But what is it that you're trying to achieve? Is it that you didn't like the performance of the person on the right uh, on the right side of frame or? And, you know, or is it something else? Because maybe, you know, the solution that they put together in the edit room was just, I will just do a split screen. Mm -hmm. But there's actually a different way to handle it in in comp that doesn't require also like patching together. Like, you know, it was a windy day. And so like the trees are moving and there's no way that you can fix that across the scene. So 
that's that's kind of what I yeah. found as a, a really effective way to kind of find commonality and uh, and, and and maybe even get them to um, agree to the uh, the original quote is if you can find a creative solution to the problem or um, really just be the client's partner, you know, you know make them appreciate that you are uh, on the same page as them. You're on this journey with them together and you want to bring something to the table. You understand what their, their needs are. Yeah. I, I always love the splits when say the agency doesn't even know it's a split and you're like, Hey, this is a split screen. They're like, Oh, is it a split? <laughs> you know? They're like, this is going to take some time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without mentioning any names, Chris and I worked on more than one uh, job where uh, the the there was a motion control camera involved, and so you know, and it was like a split screen, and there's motion control camera involved. Yeah. And so what you can't do is like slip the timings. I, I don't care if the line works better if it's three frames later or whatever. You just can't do it. And we would get a rough cut, and the you know the split was supposed to be perfect because it was motion control, but it wasn't. And then we would you know call up editorial and say like. I think the two sides are out of sync. Oh, thanks. And then the next time we get like, you know, version three of the edit, you know, it would happen again. And it was just like, guys, you know, what, mm -hmm. so that would be the thing. What is it that you're trying to solve? What problem are you trying to solve? Yeah. You can't solve it that way, but maybe sure. we can help you solve it a That's different awesome. way. Uh, Andy, do you find yourself doing more flat bidding or is, can you work in like hourly? What do you prefer? I guess. And every project I know is different. So, Oh, what do I prefer? I prefer to get paid yeah. for every hour that I work. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Full rate and twice on Sunday. You know, I either have a day rate, you know, if someone wants to hire me for the day or I, I you know, I have hourly. And uh, I know like when I've worked on, like when I've worked on commercials or I've worked on facilities, I kind of, my clients, it's kind of worked out that I, I kind of work on a day rate. And uh, I'll do partial days if that works out, if it's a client that I really have a great rapport with, I'll even say to them like, Hey, listen, you know, um, what you're asking for is, is only going to take a couple of hours. I'll just charge you a couple of hours, you know, as opposed, and they're expecting like a full day, you know, and they go, Oh my God, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Right. But you know, okay. I kind of presented it as the exception, not the rule. Uh, when I worked on, uh, like episodic stuff, uh, direct with a production company, what I, what I kind of look at is, because those are kind of a little different from my experience the 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 production usually has like a number per shot that they want to hit it doesn't really matter if the shot has dinosaurs in it or it's a wire removal you know of like course. this is the most we want to spend on a shot and i'm i'm really making a generalization but that's kind of it so then uh and this is where i felt most like a producer is i would look at okay there are 10 shots and I'm just speculating. They don't like to spend more than um, $800 a shot. Okay. So what we're really talking about here is this is an $8,000 task. Do I want to do this for $8,000? And if the yeah. answer is yes, the answer is yes. And it doesn't matter how long it takes because I've agreed to do it. And I'll kind of look at the tasks and I'll say to myself like, okay, you know, this is a this is a wire removal shot here. Maybe under certain circumstances, I would charge an hour to do that, but it's only going to take me a half hour. So I'm yep. going to charge a half hour on that one. And that's a half hour I can add to another shot to make it a little bit closer to reality of what it's going to take to, to execute. Again, so that way the, the, you know, when the client takes the bid I've given them and divides it by the number of shots, it's kind of in the neighborhood of what they're looking to spend. I don't 
lull them into something false where it's like, oh, yeah. Andy can do a wire removal and every wire removal in a half hour. No, that's not, you know. So I do try to keep it accurate in, in kind of like the broader sense mm-hmm. um, and still try to stay within within their range. And I found too that if you give like, if you give an amazing quality of service, if the stuff, if, if everything you show them, the first version you show them is perfect. Yeah. They want to make a creative change, fine, but they're not calling out mistakes or edges or whatever. Then um, similar to like when we would hire freelancers, I know this one's going to cost me a little bit more per day, but I know that everything I give them, I don't even have to think about. True. And I can worry about these other 35 problems that I have to solve. So I found that clients do do appreciate yeah. that. And, you know, they won't pay double, but they're certainly willing to pay a premium uh, or a slight premium for knowing that they're not going to have to spend time, which is money, on their end, catching mistakes, you know, putting everything through their cut and their whole approval, you know, QA process. Uh, every time they have to do that, it costs them money. For sure. Chris, so you said you're more kind of agency side currently? Currently I am, yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, I'm assuming you have to bid internally, right? For projects? Or is it more of like, hey, Chris, here's X amount of money. <laughs> Get this done. <laughs> it's more like that. It's it's more okay. like, we have this much. Can we do this? And then I have to go out and find uh, people to do it. I have uh, had some internal things uh, come up that I've been asked to like go out and bid properly. My favorite one was just like a few days ago. And uh, I don't think, I don't think I sent it to you, Andy. I was about to, right? So one of the, one of the things that's nice is having the post experience, I can look at these, it was a cleanup bid. It was a, it was a, a getting rid of a license plate. Right. And I looked at it through my experience. I was like, all right, this is like a day, I don't know, a day and a half. Yeah. And the place that I'm working has internal agencies, internal vendors that they have to bid and work with. So I had to reach out to these people and I got a bid back that I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. I, no way, no way. So I went to my boss and I was like, I, I can do a lot better than this. Like, let me, sorry, the parent company is going to make us try to do this because it's all internal and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So I, uh, it was, I noticed that I do have at least the experience to like, look and be like, this is BS. I can do better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, no, it has been more of, here's a pot of money. Can you go find some people that can do it for this or find some creative partners that can do it for this? And if not, and and this is the other thing from, from being on the post side, what, what I've said in the people that I've reached out to, tell me what's unrealistic about this. Like, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to force you into doing something for this money. You can just say you don't want to do it for the money, but do you have an idea that would change this creative slightly where you could do it for the money, you know? So that's, that's what I've been looking for on the agency side is really partners that if i'm giving some budget and a creative ask a crazy creative ask just tell me you know tell me or if there's Mm -hmm. you can look at it and kind of be like maybe we can tweak it or change it or something and 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 we can make it work for the money but i've had my time wasted enough on the post side (laughs) trying to fix things that that can't be fixed for money so i want to uh i want to at least give them the benefit of the doubt this time around that's awesome you know i'm also curious how how detailed do bids get like do you break it down and this is more of like when you're working you know at a post company like two days of importing conform we got four days of cleanup two days of delivery like how detailed or is it more of just like hey it's going to be about six days all in you know (laughs) like no it it, it needs to be more detailed of a 
uh, because agencies now have uh, cost or have for a long time have cost consultants. So they're going to, you know, they're going to, mm-hmm. if it gets through the agency at all, you can't just give them a lump sum of here's $6,000 and they say, yes, yeah. uh, it's got to be, how are you breaking that out and why and where are the hours going for the conform? Like you said, the VFX shots, the delivery, um, revision time, that kind of stuff. And, you know, to Andy's point, like earlier about bidding, you you don't want to, you want to break it out to show them this is what stuff like this costs normally, you know, you don't want to break it out at, you want to just throw $6,000 out there and say like, this costs $6,000. You want to break it out and be like, this shot right here costs four, you know, and then the rest uh, is okay. so that they don't yeah. come back later and say like, well, we did a commercial with you last year that only cost six. How come, you know, you want to show them your rates. You want to yeah. show them why your rates are applicable to the certain hours that you're putting in there. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's beneficial on both sides to kind of show the work you're doing, you know, like we used to also, you know, we would always put in our real rates. And then if we were trying to hit a number or really wanted to do a job, throw a discount on the bottom and say, here's the discount to hit your budget. But our rates are up here. Like it should have cost this, but we're giving you a break. So that's that's one way we would always kind of just be like, we're doing this for you this time. Let's understand what it might be next time. You know, that's really smart. I'm so glad you said that because I I was just going to add to this. <laughs> and one thing I learned from working with Chris Decker is, yeah, you put your rates on there, and if you're trying to hit a number, put a discount. Totally, I've absolutely adopted that because that way uh, your client does have the opportunity to see what this really does cost. Uh, the other thing I learned, and I learned from Renee Tim uh, when she was on either Logic Live or Logic Podcast and talked about like running your own business and doing bids, mm. is you have to supply a bid letter. The bid letter has to be specific. It can be as specific as you would like. Okay. It's got to be specific. This is what we're doing. You know, We're working on this spot. There's a 30, a 15, a 10, and two sixes. We're doing... 16 by 9, 1 by 1, 9 by 16, and 4 by 5 versions that are all going to have unique conforms, you know, so that way that's all stated. We're going to start on this date, we're going to end on this date, and these are the payment terms. That's super smart. Like These are the assumptions, you know, that way it's all spelled out, you know, and then of course, you know, and, uh, you know, the estimate that uh, provided is based upon these specifications and if the specifications change. Uh, I would say another... uh addendum to that is what it does not include. Uh, sometimes you need to call out, it's not including audio mix, does not include lunch. No, you're right. No, you, you have to say it sometimes. You yeah, have I didn't to even say think it. about that. Does not include Unlimited sushi. Yeah. No, whatever it's right. it is you haven't discussed. Yeah. So that in the back end, they're not like, I thought you guys were doing that. You know, it's, it's written out like, yeah, we're doing all of this, but just top line stuff. Doesn't have to get into nitty gritty detail, but no audio mix, no, uh, delivery fee, whatever it might be, just make sure that they know you're only doing this part and somebody else is responsible. I never even thought about that. So w- would that happen? They would approach you and then you'd give your numbers and then be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you aren't yeah. color grading this? It's yes. Like, well, we actually, we don't have any colors here. I mean, we could, but it's yeah. not in the... <laughs> well, one, one big one, one big okay. one always was a uh, stock footage licensing. Like they would give us yeah. stuff. Oh, geez. Wait, what? Okay, I want to hear well, more. Well, I mean, about it this. would just be I... like we would do oh a spot where like they had stock footage and they'd be like, oh, you can use this is great. My creators found this. Like, okay. And we would just 
you know, then we the spot would be finishing and be like, okay, you guys need to license this stock for, and what are your like parameters, you know, your, your global usage, whatever it is. And they'd be like, oh no, you guys handle that. And we're like, why would we handle that? You're the, the, the agency. Like what? Like, we don't have a budget for that. Like this is a $10,000 clip. Like we didn't look at that before you sent it to us. What? So calling that out does not include stock footage licensing was a big one I learned early on. Yeah. Wow. I was under the assumption that the agency would already know that, but I guess sometimes I guess they not. do, yeah. but sometimes they don't. So always get it in writing. Yeah. Sometimes like it's, it's not nefarious or anything. Sometimes maybe you're dealing with a, a like a, a new, a new producer or someone who's younger and doesn't have that experience. Yeah. And yeah. Um... <laughs> you're, you're shipping tomorrow. And, yeah. You're shipping tomorrow and there's it's your, your entire historical yeah. spot <laughs> cannot be licensed. You know, like it never, right. it never gets Andy, yeah, it never gets that bad, but I'm just, you know. <laughs> no, no, totally. But it're like, Chris, you having that conversation. Well, Andy, we're going to have to redo all these comps. <laughs> yeah. You, you laugh oh like it gosh. hasn't well, this happened. This is awesome. Um, is there anything you guys <laughs> feel like we haven't touched on? I, I know bidding's a huge topic. You could go crazy deep, but I, is there anything just off the top of your head that we haven't really discussed that? I guess one thing... Uh, kind of in a, to add on is um, if we're part of the live action shoot, like if we, if, uh, if as the, the flame artist or as a post-production company, you are, you know, there, there's a shoot and you're asked to provide shooting specs yes. and there's an opportunity to go on set by all means go on set. You know, it is the greatest experience because, well, first of all, you get to meet everybody and especially people that you will not meet as part of the post-production process. Sometimes it's the client, you know, or it's um, someone from the account team or whatever. And then, you know, you, you have an opportunity to put a face and a personality and everything to that line item that they're going to get, you know, past their, like, you know, on their desk, they have to approve. You also, if you're, if you're a good communicator and good at your job, you have an opportunity to, in a, in a very positive way, kind of educate them on the process. You know, I, I've been on sets where, uh, I think, you know, I've had like executives from pharma companies say like, wow, now I understand why it costs so much because they're, they're part of the process and, and they see it. The other thing too is uh, you can be the eyes and the ears for the company. You know, there were a million times where I was on set and I knew like Chris gave me the, the, the bid or the budget. I knew what was like what we had agreed to do. And so if anything comes up that we did not agree to do, I was aware of it. And so I could send him a text. I can give him a call. I could figure that out. So that way he would be prepared for an, an overage. I also knew if there was an opportunity to be the hero and just say, yeah, no problem. You, you could do that too. But by and large, it, it, you know, it, it gave us every job is a battle against like budget and time and the three other jobs that were supposed to ship two days before you started this, but they're running long. Like, like Chris said, it's a jigsaw puzzle of everything's a moving target. So any any advantage that you can have to, to kind of stay ahead of those challenges uh, is is worthwhile. So yeah, I would I would totally uh, I would add that to the you know the bidding process. Anything you can do to be a part of it before they shoot will help you. And on the producer side, Chris, when you would send say Andy or another uh, VFX supervisor, 
do you just kind of bid on like a day rate? Like you just say, uh, it's X amount of money to send somebody on set. Like, yeah, you just had kind of like a rate card. Yeah, for that. we okay. have a rate card for that plus their travel days and per diem and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I would just add one more thing for the the flame artists in the audience who are listening to this, uh, especially those who are freelancer or, or have their own business or whatever. Is like one thing I have absolutely learned over the last eighteen months mm-hmm. is how important it is to learn new things. Like learn new tools, learn new techniques, you know, learn things outside of just like the core application that Mm -hmm. you're using. They can give you a competitive advantage. It may take you, you know, whatever, X number of hours to do it in Flame. But, you know, if you did it in Mocha or Silhouette or Nuke or, you know, one of the AI tools or whatever, you might be able to get it done a lot faster. And so that may give you the edge against, you know, if if you're triple bidding this. You know, this may give you the opportunity to win the bid or if you're trying to hit a number because your client only, you know, expects to charge X, you know, X number of dollars per, per spot or per shot, you can kind of look at everything and go like, well, I, I, there, I can have a, I can realize a time savings uh, of whatever across mm-hmm. these shots. Super good And advice. that will just yeah. make you more profitable. And I, I feel like any software you learn outside of Flame can also just improve your Flame skills too. <laughs> you know, you might... You know, if you pick up Nuke, you might approach a certain shot in Flame differently too. So, yeah, super the, good. Advice. The only thing I'd add, and and this is uh, it's so basic, but just uh, ask as many questions as you think you want to, because I found the more you kind of prod somebody who's asking you to do something that may be vague or maybe you don't have all the answers for, it can help inform you not only how you bid it, but you can understand why a client is coming at a job a certain way so like i've learned to ask like why is the schedule this like if it's very fast right why is this low budget like why you know you're you want to approach it like you want to shoot this in vancouver why we could easily do this in new york you know it can help you at least understand where they're coming from it's not it might not always make sense but at least sometimes you can you can you can at least get their point of view because like i was saying earlier they've been down the road 10 times with back and forths of how they're getting to their budget and how they're getting to their creative. So kind of getting to that nut quicker can kind of help you wrap your head around the job and see if it's something you want to take on or put the right amount of resources to it if you do want to take it. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I, I think we, we hit a lot of really good topics within bidding. So Chris and Andy, thank you so much for coming on episode thanks Glenn. really appreciate yeah. it thanks Glenn. yeah no thanks again this episode of the logic podcast is brought to you by aja together with flame since 2006 we would like to welcome to the logic family our friends at hot spring hot spring is the future of vfx outsourcing hot spring connects you to great artists to get your projects done making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world I highly encourage if you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match mover, cleanup, give the folks at HotSpring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com. And last but not least, Logic Academy Pro. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many cool courses that range from CG car replacement, cleanup, nuke for flame artists, mocha, color management, VFX supervision, and also meetups for mentoring your career. So check out logicacademypro.com. Thank you for listening.